Well, Psalm 5, beginning in verse 9, hear now the holy, the inspired, the inerrant, and infallible word of God written for you and for me today. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Well, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, God draws his precious lambs to himself in Christ. We, we know this well, we speak of it much, but he calls us to come to him in his house. And even thus, here we are. As he does so, like David, we know through the Spirit's instruction in his word why we can come. We know that we come pleading the abundance of God's mercy. We draw near to our faithful and compassionate Lord, knowing that we are sinners, and yet we draw near because he has not and he does not treat us as we deserve, but rather as we are in Christ clothed in his righteousness, we aren't dragged in, but we are welcomed into the presence of the Holy One with joy. We know his deep, deep love as in his grace and mercy we have been spared from his wrath. And therefore, being in the presence of the Eternal One, we do what? We worship We must worship. We can't but bend the knee and worship. It's the most important thing in all of life. And further, David teaches us by his own example that how we worship is important. For we must worship him in godly fear. And I hope the Holy Spirit has pressed that in your hearts even as we considered that last week. We must worship God In fear of him. The fear of the Lord shapes our worship. Approaching God with such fear in our hearts calls our thoughts away from distractions. It it calms our daily anxieties and it focuses our attention on him as we revere his majesty and all that he is. And we give God all adoration and praise and glory. And because of the importance of worship and our being called to do so, we must never neglect it. We must never willfully deny God the worship that is due to him, making it lesser than he requires or even optional in our minds. Remember, if we teach our kids that going to church is optional, they will grow up believing that it's unnecessary. And that's true. What are we doing? How do we think about and approach worship? 
And based on what is true of us, even as parents, we need to realize how that impacts our kids. And so having a right view of God and his covenant relationship with him, David pleaded with God to be led by him in divine righteousness. He knew the path of the wicked and the consequences of their path. And David desired that God would lead him and direct his heart, that he would direct his counsel, the the whole course and the actions of his life. We need to be graciously led by God and his righteousness too. As the snares that our enemies lay for us would trap us. We need the righteous guidance of the good shepherd to help us to obey his commands. We need the light of Christ to shine before us and on us to show us his straight path. And so having such conviction, David more clearly knew the contrast between the redeemed and the wicked. And he speaks of the faithless tongues of the wicked here in verse 9. He speaks of the guilt of the wicked in verse 10, as well as the joy and divine blessing of the redeemed in verses 11 and 12. Look at what he says in verse 9a. He says, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Now, as you hear these words from David, they should add to the contrasting description that he has already given of the righteous and the wicked and in particular, of what comes out of their mouths, and therefore, what is revealed of their hearts. Where did David begin in this psalm? Look back in verse 1. With the redeemed and our prayers. In David's opening words in verse 1, he cries out to God, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. And in verse 2b, He says, for to you I will pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. And yet what is true of the wicked as they sin with their lips? Look back at verse 5. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. David proclaims in verse 6 that God will destroy liars and slanderers and, and hates all deceivers. And in contrast, in verse 7, by divine grace, what do the redeemed do? The redeemed will worship the Lord, offering the sacrifice of praise from our lips. And so when David speaks of the faithless tongues of the wicked here, see that he not only speaks of the nature of their sinful words, but also by contrast, points to the faithful words of the redeemed. And so what does David mean when he refers to faithful words? Well, he refers to the upright and truthful nature of them. The words of the wicked were far from faithful. They were far from being truthful. They spoke one thing and they meant another. Though posing to be kind, they sought David's destruction. They thought it wasn't sinful to tell, out, to tell flat-out lies about David. And David therefore said that one shouldn't and couldn't trust them. But in 9b, what else does he say is true of them? 
He says their inward part is destruction. They were wicked to the core. Total depravity, the outworking of slavery to sin that is manifest in the heart, comes out of the mouth. We see this more so even as David goes on to say in the second half, in 9c and 9d, that their throat is an open tomb, and they flatter with their tongue. You know, the Apostle Paul quotes this verse in Romans 3 as he speaks of the general depravity of men and women who are apart from Christ. Some of you may be familiar with the passage. If you'd like, turn with me there. Romans chapter 3, and in particular, we'll begin in verse 10. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. We read there, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And notice verse 13. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes, and peace after peace Quality after quality, statement after statement, we can say here from what Paul is saying exactly check, 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 check of how David has described the wicked in Psalm 5, can't we? The redeemed come to worship in the fear of the Lord. The wicked have no fear of God before their eyes. They practice deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And so when both David and Paul refer to the throat being an open tomb and tongue a tool of flattery, what do they mean? Simply, evil speech brings death. Evil speech brings death. Their throats are open and cruel as the grave. They seek to devour and swallow up the living, having an insatiable appetite to do so. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 15 and 16, we see this described well. The leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied, four never say enough. The grave, the the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. They always want more. Further, those who seek to devour do so through flattery and pretended friendship, In order to consume them, David says. 
And also in Psalm 62, verse 4, he says, They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly, Selah. They say many things that they don't mean. They say one thing and they mean another. They will lift and pump people up, but it's all vanity within. It's all emptiness. There's no value. There's no truth that's coming out of the heart. You know, as David knew what was true of his enemies and the lies that they spoke, have you ever experienced similar actions and words that have come out of mouths fueled by dark hearts who are against Christ? Maybe even some that have come after you to tarnish you and devour you? For the depravity of the heart and the fruit that flows out of it is the same now as it was in David's day, and even before David's day, it was not new then, going all the way back to the fall. Even if you haven't been attacked or or persecuted in this way, it is good and right to both remember what is true of those who do, but also to remember who you once were apart from Christ, as well as keep in the forefront of your mind what is true of those who are still apart from Christ. Paul calls Titus to remind the saints in Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, of who they once were and what Christ has done for his people. And he says there in verse 3, he says, For we ourselves were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, but when Uh, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Beloved, these are some of the most wonderful words in scriptures. We also see this in the Psalms and many, excuse me, in Romans, in the Psalms too, but in Romans and other places where we see the nature of our sin. We are quick and easy to point the finger at those who are described, even in passages like we're looking at in Psalm 5. Say, man, yeah, they're bad, and they are. But we also fail to remember and know that that very much showed a mirror of our own hearts before Christ. We too ourselves were once like that. But the wonderful words here in in Titus 3, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, two of the most wonderful words in the scriptures are, But God. But God. 
And so considering their condition, David beseeches God to act against them in his heavenly courtroom. Notice that in Psalm 5 verse 10. In 10a, he calls upon the Lord. He says, pronounce them guilty, O God. The court was in session. The judge was seated. He's heard the case. Pronounce them guilty, O God, was David's plea. David was in essence saying, they are vile lawbreakers, Lord. Declare them to be guilty and issue the sentence. For their punishment... David requests that God would do two things, if you notice. Let them fall and cast them out as rebels. Look at verse 10b. He says just that. Let them fall by what? By their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. And why? For they have rebelled against you. You have just cause, O Lord... Carry out the sentence, bring harsh judgment to my enemies. David beseeched him. And not just that they rebelled against David as king, but he doesn't even bring that up at all, does he? Because they've rebelled against you. Beloved, when sinful men and women are left alone, they will throw themselves into their own ruin. As wicked men and women don't have the restraining and sustaining hand of God in their lives, they will fall. Paul describes this very picture in his words to the saints in Rome in Romans chapter 1. We've considered Romans 3. Let's turn to Romans 1 briefly. Romans 1, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made by corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. The sinful, wicked heart always goes to idolatry. They want to make their own God. And therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use For what is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain not God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind 
to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. It's quite a long list. It's a very serious act of the Almighty God. And this is what God and His justice has done. But David didn't only desire that they would fall and wallow in their own miseries or sin, he he also beseeched God to cast them. Notice the great contrast between the two multitudes here in verse 7 and here in this verse. In verse 7, David said, But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. Again, David and all of Christ's redeemed are, are welcomed in the abundance of God's divine mercy. But for sinners whose sins and the guilt thereof remain on their shoulders, they are to be cast out in the multitude, same Hebrew word, they are to be cast out in the abundance of their transgressions. Because they are those who are in absolute rebellion against the living God. Praise God for his saving grace and mercy in Christ to his people. That we are not the cast out, but we are the welcomed. That we have been brought out. (laughs) That we have been chosen out and called out and into the family of God. But we have not been cast away from him in his presence, in judgment. Though we were rebels, God in his grace and his mercy saved us. But we also see here in Psalm 5 and verse 11, the joy and the divine blessing of the redeemed. And this is where David brings this psalm to a close. Notice verse 11, he says, But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. See here that David calls upon God to grant three wonderful actions of joy based on three wonderful reasons for each. And he does so for the recipients of divine mercy and blessing. See that he first, he desires that God would fill him and and all those who trust in God in unspeakable joy. From a heart of 
overflowing joy. Secondly, the redeemed can't but express that joy with our lips from our hearts as we shout for joy. And why? Because we know God isn't only trustworthy, but he truly defends us from sin and our enemies. He dwells among us. He covers us and brings us under the shadow of his wings. Like the pillar of cloud by day and the fire at night that Israel experienced as a visible token of God's special presence with them and his special protection of them, we see the loving care in the hand of God toward us. And further, thirdly, Lovers of God's name are joyful in him. We are well pleased with all the marvelous attributes and ways in which God has revealed himself to us by his spirit in scripture. His name is wonderful. His name is powerful. Jesus has the name that is above all names. And so we take delight in him and our covenant relationship with him, knowing also that what do we bear? We bear his name. And in verse 12, David says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Look at this reason upon reason for great joy as joy comes as a gift of divine blessing. It's through his grace that he protects us with his all-surrounding, shielding presence Remember in previous Psalms, as we considered the Lord being a shield for us, it wasn't just, even in the Hebrew word and description, it wasn't just like a Roman shield that just comes in front and is full body covering, but is just on one side and the side that they put the shield to protect against. But no, this is an all-surrounding protection. All sides of the body. A 360 shield. No side of us is exposed. And so I'll leave you with this tonight, considering this psalm and these concluding verses, beloved. Remember what is true of the hearts and the tongues of the wicked as you walk day by day. Don't let their words surprise you, and neither let them deceive you. Don't be duped by those who seek to flatter you as they have open tomb throats that truly seek to swallow you up. But also recognize the same was true of your heart and your mouth and life prior to Christ saving you. You were just as depraved, just as rebellious, just as guilty in the courtroom of God. God would have justly cast you out, and therefore may you praise God all the more for his pursuit of you in his mercy to you in Christ. May it be all the more rich in your heart and your understanding today as you consider these very words and contrasts. And as you trust him and grow in that, as you know him as your defender, as you love his name, rejoice. Rejoice. Shout for joy. Take time and and have much joy in him for he is the one who blesses you with the riches of his grace and protects you 
as an all-surrounding shield. Indeed, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm that you have opened to us over these past weeks. Even these closing words by David, Lord, are so rich in our ears and hearts. Lord, may we indeed find much joy in you. May that joy be overflowing from our hearts and in our hearts and come out of our mouths in shouts of joy and praise. May it not just, Lord, be lip service. May our words not just be very similar to the flatterers who will say many things but really don't mean it. But know out of sincerity of heart, may the redeemed know your protection and your love. May the redeemed know your work of grace and the riches of the storehouses of that grace that you have and that you pour out upon us. Oh Lord, help us, we pray, and cause us to overflow with fountains of joy, for your name's sake, for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. 